Hey everyone, my name is Erin Hughes and this is Episodes to a Healthy You. In this episode, we're discussing the Mediterranean diet with Ohio State University dietetic intern Mitchell Cole. Also joining us again is Jenny Pitcher, registered dietitian and wellness consultant for Ohio Health Employer Services. While chatting with Mitch and Jenny, we were able to discuss the components of the Mediterranean diet and they clarified what the word diet actually means. Many times, we can find ourselves caught up in the storm of misinformation and fad diets all in the name of health. It was great to hear that this way of eating isn't just a fad and that it can have a positive impact on our quality of life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Episodes to a Healthy You. I'm excited to talk about nutrition with you today. Thank you for having me, Erin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, glad to be here. So there is a lot of information out there on diets and nutrition and different types of diets, but today we're going to be discussing kind of an oldie but a goodie, which is the Mediterranean diet. And so I'm sure that most people have probably at least heard of the Mediterranean diet, but for those who haven't, can you clarify for us what exactly that is and how we're using the word diet here? Yes, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of misinformation out there these days. So the Mediterranean diet is really considered a plant-based diet. And as far as diet is concerned, I don't know, it's challenging because for me as a future dietitian, diet kind of refers to how we nourish our bodies. But for the general public, it's almost a bad term. You know, it kind of embodies restriction and more confusion with it. So the Mediterranean diet is really more of a lifestyle choice where you're focusing on a diverse range of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, with smaller portions of lean proteins. So really, it's kind of inverting what our typical traditional meat and potatoes plate looks like. Yeah, I think flipping that meat and potatoes ideal on its head is a really good strategy. And a great way to look at it is from an overall standpoint, but also from like a strategic and planning point of view as well. So planning from plants first, which is really kind of different than most people plan their meals. And so what I mean by that is flipping from planning around meat as the main dish with small sides coming from plants plan around veggies and plants first and use meat as a side or maybe even a flavoring or condiment. I love that you described the word diet as having a negative connotation where typically we think about restriction, whether it's we're eliminating certain foods from our bodies, eliminating calories from consumption. And I like too that in the world of dietetics and nutrition, diet doesn't necessarily have to mean that. It's just like you were saying, what food we're putting into our bodies for nourishment and for fuel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when you enjoy food, you should really focus on, one, enjoyment, but two, think about how it's really helping you, like, from a whole perspective. Exactly. We need food. You know, that's the primary source of energy for ourselves, our brain, our muscles, all of it. And so... I always say that life is too short to do things that you don't enjoy, and that includes eating things that you don't enjoy or not eating enough of the things that you do enjoy. And as you adopt a more plant-based diet, you'll find that 
your taste preferences change and that you will crave and enjoy foods that are more healthy. And also that can change over time. 100%. Yes. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about why this diet is called the Mediterranean diet? Yeah. So it's referred to as the Mediterranean diet because it really focuses on the eating trends of countries located within the Mediterranean. So countries like Greece, Italy, Spain, Croatia, and Egypt. And it's really more so during the time period of the 1960s. Now, granted, their eating trends have kind of changed since then, a little more westernized. But yeah, it's kind of getting back to the basics. And that will look different depending on which country we are talking about. There are quite a few different countries that surround the Mediterranean and therefore different cultures as well. So the foods and flavors are ranging from places like North Africa, Italy, Spain, Greece, Turkey, Slavic nations like Croatia, uh, as well as Syria and Israel. So we're talking about a lot of different flavor and foods that make up these different Mediterranean countries. And therefore, the Mediterranean diet is going to look different from country to country as well. But the overall main portions of those diets are going to be plants and plant-based foods. Okay. So I imagine that all of those areas, they probably have a lot more just because of the environment and the weather there, they probably have a lot more access to maybe some fresh produce, probably a lot more fish than a lot of us here in the States have access to unless you live on a coast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's challenging because being in Ohio, we don't have mm -hmm. access to fresh produce all the time. But historically, when you really think of the Mediterranean diet, a lot of people just go right to fish, olive oil, mm -hmm. and red wine, right? Yeah. Those are components, absolutely. But it's really enjoying a diverse range of fruits and vegetables with those components. Which is perfect because my next question for you was, what are the components and what makes a diet Mediterranean? And I think you've touched on that a little bit already with that last statement. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's really kind of a plant-based approach. Now, I'm not talking about vegan or being a vegetarian. It's just really making most of your calories come from plant sources. So a variety of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, and healthy fats like nuts and seeds, olives. So how is this different from other diets? And is it similar to any that maybe we've heard about before? Yes, I love this question. Okay, <laughs> so the Mediterranean diet is really completely different from a lot of the other diets out there. When in our current culture, when you hear the word diet, it's got like a time period attached with it, right? Like it's a set duration of how long you have to follow this diet to achieve these health benefits. And the Mediterranean diet is more of change in lifestyle. I think it is also fairly similar to the DASH diet. DASH meaning the dietary approaches to stop hypertension, which was originally a diet to help bring down blood pressure. And as they did more research on the DASH diet, they found it was really great for also lowering cholesterol and weight as well. And so I think something like that can also be incorporated into a healthy lifestyle, just like the Mediterranean diet. 
and it's picking up these strategies and choices where you just really enjoy more plants with smaller portions of lean proteins. Now, when we say smaller portions, are we talking like actual portion size versus the typical eight, nine ounce portions that a lot of us have just with the normal Western diet? Yes, yes. In the Mediterranean, they really enjoy fish, maybe Mm -hmm. like a couple times a week. And then richer proteins, maybe once a week. So it's not like when you sit down at a table here, the protein is the main component, right? Mm -hmm. That's more of really a side dish. The main components there are a variety of different blends of vegetables, fruits, whole grains. And it's, it's really focusing on those with having mm-hmm. the proteins as a smaller portion to really enjoy. Richer proteins, like Mitch alluded to, like beef, pork, fattier cuts of chicken, turkey, etc. maybe being more like one to three ounces as a portion with leaner chicken, turkey, fish, maybe four to six ounces, but also thinking about frequency. So maybe being weekly, or maybe even bi-weekly, as opposed to daily or, you know, like we do in this country, even multiple times a day. I like that. And I feel like that's now we're recording in summer. That's kind of how I like to eat in the summer, just because I do find protein to be a little bit heavy. But I'm sure this is wonderful all year round, because I can't be the only one who finds protein a little bit heavy sometimes. So filling my plate with more easily digestible and lighter like fruits and vegetables and things actually sounds like a really great idea. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So would you say that this diet is attainable or maybe like because it is a Mediterranean diet and they do have a little bit more access to things in the Mediterranean, are there any foods that might be hard for us to find or maybe we have to go to a specialty store for well, here's the thing. So in our current culture, we are so fortunate. We have so much accessibility to some great food options. And honestly, no. So as I said, the Mediterranean diet really kind of being synonymous with a plant-based diet, meaning the majority you know, of your plate should be from plant sources. And when you think of when you can just go to the grocery store, they make it so easy. Like you can go right to the freezer aisle and pick out beautiful blends of different frozen vegetables and prepare it in less than five minutes, right? Yeah. When it comes to fresh versus frozen, because it's a lot more available for fresh produce in the summer, frozen vegetables are a a valid option for those of us who have winter seasons. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Probably because I've been in Ohio my entire life, but Mm. yeah, like struggling just to, you know, access great produce in the winter, it's super challenging. And for those individuals with budget constraints or time constraints, frozen vegetables are a great option. You can prepare them really quickly. The one key component with that, though, is you really want to select options that don't have a lot of added sodium, cheese, or anything else. Just get it in its raw form, and you can spice it up and experiment with a bunch of different herbs and spices. Herbs and spices are plants. And so they're also a major component of the Mediterranean diet. So use them. We tend to think of them as their only job is to add flavor, but they're full of phytonutrients that help us fight disease as well. I love broccoli and cheese, but you're right. (laughs) Finding them in their whole form is oftentimes even just a little bit cheaper too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. So you had made mention a few questions ago that the Mediterranean diet focuses on fat a little bit more. 
let's talk about that because I'm sure a lot of people are under the impression that that is something that we should avoid. Yeah, unfortunately, that belief is an aftermath on the war on fats in like the 1950s and 1960s. And I would say it had a resurgence in the 1980s and 90s when I became a dietitian, and that was with fat-free everything. Snackwell's cookies are a great example. And so this war on fats has been going on for a long time, and I think it's been reinvented many times over for sure. Yes, but fat is an essential macronutrient, meaning that we require it in our diet. It's very interesting to see how that's evolved over time because now you hear of keto. Keto is a huge popular trend, a large base is being you know, fat in the diet. And when I refer to fat being an essential macronutrient, I'm really referring to unsaturated fat. Unsaturated fat comes from primarily plant sources. And it's important because it helps reduce inflammation in the body, which mm -hmm. inflammation is, is a key contributor to chronic illness, things like heart disease, stroke, and cancer. So things like olive oil, nuts and seeds, um, even some animal sources such as like fish, those carry the key component called omega-3s, which we do require from our diet. The body can't synthesize omega-3. And it helps our bodies utilize the phytonutrients in those plant foods. We need the fat to help make those phytochemicals more bioavailable to the body. Salad dressing actually has a role to play beyond taste, which gets lost on most people. And really just avoiding forms of saturated fat and trans fat, which come from animal sources and highly processed foods. Kind of a nice trick is if it's solid at room temperature, like butter or a fatty piece of meat, those are gonna be saturated fats. And those lead to the development of heart disease, they're really inflammatory in the body as well, and it's just best to keep them to a minimum. I love that tip, that if it's solid at room temperature, it's a saturated fat. That's a really good one. Yeah, and I, I really want to make note, too, there is one, uh, one exception, and that's going to be coconut oil. Mm. I think it's on the tail end of that trend, but coconut oil is pretty huge in the nutrition world. And it's about 90% saturated fat which is okay. actually more than a lot of those fatty meats, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Yeah, I do remember that coconut oil was really big. and People were putting it in their coffee, I remember, like five years ago or something. Yeah, yeah, coffee, hair, yeah, everything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, when it comes to the Mediterranean diet, it's making your fats worthwhile, choosing the fats that are plant-based and just overall better for us and not going to increase our risk for diseases, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's okay. really best to uh, source them in their whole food form. I mean, don't get me wrong, olive oil is amazing, but if you enjoy olives, definitely go for those. I personally enjoy olives, so olives are actually one of my favorite snacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reason for that is with that, you're getting the whole food, so mm -hmm. you're getting the fiber that comes with it, and that's important because Fiber really helps absorb cholesterol in the digestive tract and can really just help reduce inflammation and help reduce overall chronic illness risk. And I would add fiber is a key nutrient to help increase the health of your microbiome, which we are beginning to understand is linked to overall health, immunity, and mental health as well. Well, and it's so nice, too, that that can be a two for one, because I know for a lot of people with the Western diet, fiber gets overlooked. We either get way, way too much of it or way, way too less of it. 
And so if you can get your fat and some fiber in with some olives and you enjoy them, why not? The same goes for avocado, nuts, seeds as whole fat sources that contain a nice amount of fiber as well. So yeah, who doesn't love a two birds, one stone situation, right? Exactly. (laughs) So while we're talking about some health benefits, what come with the Mediterranean diet? So when you enjoy foods that are plant-based, you're getting the whole food, right? It's packed with antioxidants and polyphenols, which has many implications in cancer prevention, as well as reduced risk of chronic illness, things like heart disease and stroke, right? And really overall, the research really shows that enjoying plant-based diet leads to longer lifespan. Yeah, this is basically the blue zones, which are areas of the world that have the most number of centenarians. So people who live beyond 100, and they're not just living, you know, in some long-term care facility stuck in a bed. They are thriving beyond 100. And that is huge because we're talking about not only quantity of life, but we're talking quality of life well beyond 100. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if that doesn't motivate you. Right. And I think as we kind of talked about fiber too, that really improves digestive health. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of emerging research that when your digestive tract is really healthy, that has a lot of implications with a lot of mental conditions, such as anxiety and depression because of that gut-brain connection. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I mean, I knew gut health was important. It, it impacted a lot of things, but I didn't realize there was a gut and mind connection there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how long should somebody or me follow the Mediterranean diet? Now, this is challenging because it's really a lifestyle adaption, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to be something that you want to follow the rest of your life. And the key to really achieving that is slowly starting out with small, sustainable changes that you feel confident implementing. And as we've talked about it being a plant-based diet, I didn't really mention the fact that herbs and spices play a huge role. So okay. the key with that is flavoring your food so you enjoy it. And that will really kind of increase your adherence to this approach. Yes, exactly. That's that's how I am. I might not like something. Like, personally, I'm not a big fan of kale. I've said this before on previous <laughs> episodes. However, I find that I enjoy it more, like if it's tossed into a salad at a restaurant or something. If it has a sweeter dressing, maybe like mm. a, a poppy seed or like a an apple cider vinaigrette even is a little bit sweeter for me. So yeah, I think that herbs and spices are just a great way to enjoy food in general and maybe even change up how you're eating things. Maybe instead of marinating things in a sauce that might have a lot more extra calories, a lot more extra sugar, you can throw some new spices and herbs on it and it can cut those calories, cut that extra sugar and be just as delicious. Yeah. And and with that, you're getting a lot of concentrated sources of antioxidants with it too. So herbs and spices are packed with nutrients too. So you're also getting a lot of health benefits with it while improving the flavor profile. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. I think we kind of think of spices and herbs and things as like, I don't know, just extra that we don't really worry about the nutritional value because there's not a whole lot that we're putting on our food. But I like that you've made a note of that. And honestly, yes, we use a small amount, but they pack a huge punch. So use those herbs and spices, most definitely. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I feel, overlooked currently. You know, adding in, you know, some rosemary, some sage, some basil, some garlic, even onion powder, just doing whatever you can to, one, make your food more enjoyable. You're also achieving health benefits. Awesome. Well, I think the last question that I really have for you is, what tips do you have for a beginner who wants to start to follow this diet and make this lifestyle change? It really is dependent on you as an individual. If you really enjoy cooking, grab some new fruits and vegetables and start to experiment. See what you really like. I think that's a great way to, one, just kind of have fun, and two, really nail down what you enjoy consuming. That's a great opportunity for experimentation. But Mm -hmm. if you are an individual that's go, 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 like time constraints and maybe even on a budget, try just purchasing maybe some frozen vegetables, say if if it's in the winter in Ohio, and you can prepare those less than five minutes. And then you can also season them as you go. That would be one good tip is just to, one, start to incorporate more vegetables and fruits into your diet. And the second one would be to focus on whole grains. We are extremely fortunate in our current culture with the grocery stores that we have you can pretty much throw a dart down a bread aisle and put something that has a whole grain on it. <laughs> but the less processed, the better. So maybe try brown rice in place of white rice or barley in place of pasta. Start to make small changes that you can live with over time. I love that. So experimenting with some new foods and incorporating things slowly, like you had mentioned before, with those small sustainable changes. Yeah. Long-term benefits-wise, this will really help reduce your risk of chronic illness. And I think as the future dietitian, one big component that I can't really neglect is the big picture. So in 2016, the cost of chronic illnesses was equivalent to about one-fifth of the American economy. Wow. Which is insane. It was about 1.1 trillion, and that number is only going up. Wow. And this is such an easy thing. You know, we're already eating. We have to eat to survive. So we can just improve our quality of life by choosing foods that are a little bit different, a little bit healthier for us. And that's another two for one stone there. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, we're really focused on convenient options. And people don't really realize that enjoying fruits and vegetables is also pretty convenient sometimes. You can always grab a banana on the go, right? You can Mm -hmm. always... As I've mentioned, prepare the frozen vegetables if you need to in less than five minutes. Yeah, they're definitely easy options. I know at my house, our favorite is frozen broccoli. We buy five pounds of frozen broccoli almost every single week because everyone in my house loves it. And it is easy. I can just throw some of that in a bowl, microwave it for four or five minutes, and I have a side dish for dinner any night of the week. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think bottom line, if you don't really enjoy vegetables or fruits, Try making a smoothie, you know, Mm. you can throw in a banana, frozen blueberries, maybe some kale or spinach, splash of milk and just give that a shot. See if you like it. And worst case, you got some fruits and vegetables for the day. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed learning a little bit more about this Mediterranean diet. And I hope everyone listening has learned something new and maybe they're inspired to try this a little bit and take control and be creative with their nutrition. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Erin. I really enjoyed speaking with Mitch and Jenny and hearing that the word diet doesn't mean restriction. Learning more about the Mediterranean diet really shed light on how much our nutrition can impact our health. 
I hope you are able to learn something and are inspired to add some more plant-based whole foods to your plate while experimenting with flavor. Hey everyone, it's time for our listener question. So if you're new to the podcast and don't know, at the end of every episode, we answer a question from one of our listeners. So if you have a question that you want Jack and I to answer, make sure you fill out the survey after listening. Today's question is, what are your favorite ways to re-energize or refocus during the day? Jack, what do you do? I do a couple things. I get so scattered brain when I first come into work because I'm working on so many projects and have so many different things going on. So what I usually do is I'll write to-do lists of five different things I want to accomplish throughout the rest of the day. And that kind of energized me for the most part. Another strategy I make is I'll set a timer for 25, 30 minutes. And for those 25 or 30 minutes, I just give my undivided, complete focus to whatever task I'm working on. And usually with that strategy, you can get even more done than with an hour where you're like focusing on different things at a time. I'm also a to-do list person. I don't limit my to-do list. I'm somebody who writes down everything that I can think of that needs done, usually for the week. And then I go in and highlight what my priorities are. So that helps me divide my time and figure out where I need to pour more energy. Also, I think one of my favorite ways to refocus and re-energize myself is just to take a brain break, put down whatever I'm doing, and I'll either go for a walk around the building or I'll take a few minutes and chat with my coworkers just to give my brain some time to relax, give myself some time to not think about the projects that I'm working on so that when I go back in a few minutes, I am ready to go and focus for another 25, 30 minutes. If you guys have listened to the walking episode, you'll find that just taking a walk throughout the day will improve your productivity and creativity for when you return to work. So that's good. Yeah. And it gets your steps in. It really does. I I like that one a lot, especially when the weather's nice outside. I can sneak away into the outdoors and get some sun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that was our listener question for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this episode helpful and that you join us for future episodes. Until then. Stay healthy.